Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Good Tuesday afternoon and welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for joining us in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. I mean, just gorgeous outside this week. Maybe a little chilly in the mornings, but not too chilly for golf. If you bundle up, layer up just a little bit. You can uh, book your tee time, plan your trip, reserve your spot at DancingRabbitGolf.com. Dancing Rabbit Golf, part of Pearl River Resort. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, we would love to hear from you this afternoon in um, on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business, ceasefire.com slash business. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Brian Haydad coming to us today from Studio X, just on the other side of the glass from Michael Borky. He's right over there. It's great. Uh, For whatever reason, the screen makes him look like he got one of those Trump tans. (laughs) This is all natural, I promise you. I promise you. That's part of the genetics. It's the Lebanese genetics. You look like a Simpsons character. Don't! The Simpsons... No. It's probably something I need to adjust because Rebecca doesn't look like that. I think I think I have screwed up somewhere uh, uh, along the way I here. Mean, to... I got my normal, you know, handsome olive complexion going here. I don't, I don't know what's going on. This is going to be one of our highest rated shows ever because look how much of my body you can see. As we know, our demographics, you know, they're, they're like, hey, the show's great. Fantastic analysis. Richard couldn't be more professional. Borky brings a lot of great analysis. Hey, that's the comic relief. The chemistry's good. But we need more of that fat guy's body in, in the camera. Well, that's and what there's we need. less of it to see than there used to be. Well, yes, but that, but there's more of it to see today than I normally present. So you got like my, my whole upper half here. So ladies, enjoy. You got a got a show. Jeez. Got a show. Here we go. Look at, look at maybe we just need a maybe we just need a wide zoom lens for your normal setup. Oh man, that's something. We need something. Good uh, good to be with you. You're, you're taking in the company Christmas party tonight. Yeah, I was I was invited to the Christmas party, so so Borky and I are going to head over there. It starts yeah. at 6, so they're like, hey, you two. Oh, we're, well. We're going to shake and bake. <laughs> shake and bake. We're going to crash and, and bake. Bake. If you smell a delicious, crispy aroma <laughs> coming out, that ain't your tailpipe. That's a little shake and bake. 
So what does that mean, Borky? You're just going to leave the buttons pushed and y'all are going to leave at 5.30 and just leave me all the Oh, no, no. We're going to be fashionably late. I already told Alex, Fashionably late. Fashionably late. Alex is, has been instructed mm-hmm. to look at the door. <laughs> Do we have theme music or and, something? And when we walk in, she starts the slow clap. Yes. I like that. She's got to be the first. You should. And we then should, everybody we should leave at five thirty and make you do a show thirty minutes by yourself. As much as you've left us this year. Oh, here we go again. Again. Here we and go. And you know what's going to happen. Again. So, uh, there's three people on this show. Two thirds mm-hmm. are going to be at the Christmas party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know how many people are going to say, "Oh, well, Richard's not here again at the Christmas party." Okay. Won't be too, one of us. Too two. good to come hang out with the boys. It, it, it won't be us. It won't be us. I don't but know where to look. There's a camera here. I got the, the screen here. There's the actual camera. Where do I look? Hey, that matter. I mean, I, I I look here because I can't like talk to people when I'm not looking yeah, at them. The so, is here. So, so I so look like... at the screen so I can see your faces while I'm doing yes. it. But you're over here. But Richard's yeah. over here. So I gotta like yeah. turn, yeah. turn, turn, turn yeah, the whole time. Yeah, it's weird. It's fine. How are you, Richard? I don't even know if I was invited to the Christmas party. Surely you were invited. If I got an invitation, you got one. I feel like no, no, no question. I'm just impressed that Borky actually saw the email that, that outlined a company Christmas party. <laughs> and I, I replied to it and everything. Somebody must have told him about it. And by reply to it, I mean uh, HR texted me to make sure that yeah. I was going, and then I replied to the text. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same thing. Same thing. Yes. Yeah, I yes, feel like I the over two-decade-long employee of the company would be allowed to go to the Christmas party if he wanted to. I, I feel like you would... Yeah, I think if you, even if you weren't invited, if you crash, nobody's going to be like, "Why is he here?" I, I I actually would love to be there tonight. Just couldn't uh, couldn't make okay. the trip. So uh, well, please well, please pass along my regards. Media Not days will be here cares, before you. You know it. So yeah, uh, we'll uh, drink in your honor. Great, appreciate that. Just. Uh, not too much. And Just gonna too, responsibly. Too much, responsibly. Yeah, no, know, I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna talk. Hey, Dad, do a couple of shots and then start recording videos. That's my plan tonight. That could be uh, interesting. Could be something uh, worth beholding there. Um, we have we have much to get to let our this afternoon. Um, Mississippi State's new head coach Jeff Levy has been. I think the only offensive coordinator that uh, Dylan Gabriel has had. That's was correct. There, was there a year in between? No. no. Wait. Wait. There, there yes. had to be time. Yeah, there was time yeah. when he was at Ole Miss that he was not with Dylan Gabriel. So they reunited at uh, at Oklahoma right. when Gabriel it felt tra- so transferred good. away from UCF. And there's been a lot of talk and a lot of speculation about whether or not Dylan Gabriel was going to once again reunite with his former offensive coordinator as his new head coach and just maintain that relationship. And while that is still very much a possibility, Mississippi State is not the only school that is apparently seeking the services at the quarterback position of Dylan Gabriel. And it feels like it's going to be a battle. Um, is that is that a Fair way to summarize at this point. Yeah, I mean it's it's the way it is for just about any highly touted quarterback prospect. Uh, they're going to be suitors, and and Mississippi State is among them. Um, and Mississippi, Mississippi State has one thing in its back pocket there with Jeff Lebby and the relationship that those two guys have. But you're up against you know Oregon, one of the deepest NIL collectives in college football, and a team that you know 
quite frankly, is set to have a better season in 2024 than Mississippi State would be right now. So a lot working in Oregon's favor, and we'll see if Mississippi State can overcome that. Just in case you haven't looked at them lately, here are the career numbers for Dylan Gabriel. 2019 UCF, he spent three years at UCF, the last two at Oklahoma. 2019 UCF threw for 3,600 yards with 29 touchdowns and seven interceptions. 2020, the COVID year at UCF, he threw for almost 3,600 yards with 32 touchdowns and four interceptions. His season was cut short by injury in 2021, threw for, oh, 800 yards and nine touchdowns. And then each of the last two seasons at OU has gone well over 3,000 yards. 31-68 and 25 touchdowns last year. This season, he goes for 36-60 and 30 touchdowns. Now, I understand that was a lot of numbers. Here's what you need to know. Almost 15,000 career passing yards and 125 touchdowns. Hey, Dad, I know you've done the research on this in the past. I know, by the way, he's rushed for over 1,000 yards in his career with 26 rushing touchdowns. Because of the pace that Will Rogers was on, I know you've looked at the numbers. The, the all-time passing record for Division I college football is belongs to Case Keenum, right? Correct. Correct. Like 17,000 and some change. There is a better than coin flip chance that Dylan Gabriel, when next season ends, will be the all-time leading passer in NCAA history. He will have had six years. Case Keenum was a he was a five-year guy, right? Because of some injury. I think he I think he got a medical redshirt in there somewhere. I believe you're correct. Or, or, or yeah, I think you're correct. I mean, if if Dylan Gabriel stays healthy, it's almost a shoe-in that he becomes the all-time leading passer in. In NCAA history, right? Case Keenum played in three games in 2010, threw for 600 yards in those three games. It's not a big, big, uh, you know, amount of his yards, but yes, uh, 19,200 yards. Oh, oh, okay, yeah. Well, that I, might not be. Ca- I, I mean, his numbers were just. I mean, he threw for 5,000 plus yards in three different seasons. Yeah. I knew going back to last summer, I was like, I knew Will didn't have a chance to get to that. I thought he had a chance to get to to Murray's 13-1 in the SEC. Obviously, injuries prevented that this year. Rodgers leaves the conference as the second all-time leading passer. Why would it make sense for Dylan Gabriel to go to Mississippi State? Once you get past familiarity, now Mississippi State can offer a a quality NIL package along the lines of what he's probably going to be demanding in the seven figures. So that's not that's not the issue there. You have the relationship with Levy. You know, you know, coming into this program, you're the starting quarterback. Oregon. I mean, I don't know who they have on the depth chart, but my guess is there would be some competition for him there. Whereas at Mississippi State, that's his job day one, no questions asked. He's the guy. Um, and then, you know, I, I still think that being able to play in the SEC offers some value. I think that, that, you know, but of course, Oregon moving to the Big Ten. It's the Big Ten. It's, it's not, it's not, it's not as big a gap as it would be in the Pac 12. So outside of Levy and the fact that I feel confident State can make a good NIL offer, there's not a lot work, working in Mississippi State's favor. And when I say NIL offer, I feel like Oregon can match and beat just about anything State throws out. So. Uh, that uh, the levy angle is the main focus here for Mississippi State. You know, and the, and the thing we don't know is 
and and won't know, and we don't know for anybody is okay. What what's what's in the pot? Like if you have a pot, like you do in a poker game, how much money is in it? We don't know what the answer to that is for Mississippi State. We think it's significant. We don't know what the answer is for Oregon. We'll be right back. Come on. Are we gonna do this? Back to Sports Talk, Mississippi. Keep rolling. Three, two, one. Super Talk, Mississippi. There is a big story that is developing um, thanks to a letter sent out by the president of the NCAA, Charlie Baker, that could certainly change, at least in part, the way things are done on the NIL front. That kind of is going to dovetail into this conversation we're having about Dillingham Gabriel and Mississippi State and Oregon and Ole Miss and all the other schools as we've got a portal window that opened yesterday. Uh, roughly 11 billion student-athletes have jumped into the transfer portal. All of them are looking for homes. Most of them are looking for compensation uh, in terms of going to those new homes, and it's just it's almost impossible to keep up with at this point. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio I do think we should continue, though, with the uh, the Dylan Gabriel conversation, and we'll get a little bit of a, uh, a different perspective on that coming up in uh, just a little while as well. Eli Letterman covers Oklahoma. Uh, we visited with him with uh, him in SEC Media Days this year, and we'll talk to him about a couple of things. One, about Dylan Gabriel and what he thinks might be about to happen, um, but also some of the reaction from Oklahoma fans and Oklahoma stakeholders about OU being left out of a New Year's Six game, and obviously that ties in right here because Ole Miss was the team that people look at and go, well, they got in ahead of Oklahoma. And I've heard some national people go, well, Oklahoma got screwed. They had the best resume of the 10-2 and teams. Well, we've kind of gone through the resumes ourselves, and I just don't think that there's an objective way to look at that and have that be the case. So we'll talk with Eli about that coming up in the next segment on the Farm Bureau guest line. That's where all guests appear. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So I asked the question before the break, why does it make sense for Dylan Gabriel to go to Mississippi State? We got a question on the uh, the ceasefire text line. He said, flip it. What's hindering Mississippi State? And I said, patience, young grasshopper. We have hard time breaks. We have to we have to stop the conversation sometimes, and then we want to pick it back up. So that's what we're doing right now. So why does it not make sense for Dylan Gabriel to go to Mississippi State? What is hindering Mississippi State in their pursuit of, first of all, Dylan Gabriel, and second, any other high-profile quarterback that is currently in the transfer portal? So... Let's, for now at least, stick with Dylan Gabriel. The reasons that we think he would go to the to Mississippi State or could potentially go to Mississippi State, hey, Dad gave us Jeff Levy. It's the relationship there. It's pretty obvious. The SEC, how much does that mean? How badly does he want to play in the Southeastern Conference? No idea. No idea. 
Are there any other advantages that you think Mississippi State has? I mean, we kind of established that we think they can be competitive, and that's where we left it at the break, right? Was if you're playing in a poker game, you know how much money's in the pot. Or, or you can request for an accounting of how much money's in the pot if you're trying to go all in or figure out how much you've got to bet. Right. In this NIL world, we know that people have money to spend. We know that some people have lots of money to spend. But we never know exactly how much any one school or any one collective has. There's been a lot of talk about what Mississippi State has available. And the fact, I don't think anybody hate ad disputes that that number is larger than it was a year ago. Absolutely. How much larger? Don't know. I mean, is it $6 million? Is it $8 million? Is it $10 million? Is it more than that? We don't know exactly. And obviously Charlie Winfield and the folks at the Bulldog Initiative are not opening the books and saying, hey, here's what we've got, and here's the proof of it. Nobody's doing that. But it stands to reason that Mississippi State can be competitive in an offer to Dylan Gabriel. Correct. What's working against Mississippi State? Team success is probably the number one thing when, when you think about it. I mean, Mississippi State next year, I mean, this was a down year for Mississippi State. And what, you know, preseason, I thought was going to be an up year for Mississippi State. I thought this was a chance to win eight or nine. And instead, it, you know, it, there's, a, there's, there's a rebuild going on. You know, State has got to get back on the track that they were pre-Zach Arnett. Um, and so does Dylan Gabriel, a player who has one year remaining, want to commit to that? Or do you, would you rather go to a place like Oregon, where they're returning a bunch of starters on their offense, where they're one of the elite programs in the country, where they you know they missed out on the college football playoff by you know one game mm-hmm. versus Mississippi State? Where I mean, what is success for Mississippi State next year without without knowing what the roster looks like? Let's just say Gabriel comes on and then. They, they they do they do well enough in the transfer portal. I mean nothing nothing crazy, but they, they they do enough to get some starters in there, and they bring back some of their key pieces. I mean if that's a six and six team next year, that's probably pretty successful when you look at what their schedule is and 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 you know first year under a new head coach. I mean six and six back in a bowl game would be probably a good start to the Levy era. Does does Gabriel want to do that or not? That's that's to me the biggest issue facing Mississippi State. The biggest issue facing Mississippi State is Mississippi State. Yeah, he's signing up to be the first. Uh, would it be overstating it to say to be to be the the cornerstone of the rebuild? Can, can, yeah. can you be the cornerstone if you're a one year guy? Only a one year guy though, so I don't know if that's the case or not. Well, you just need to prove. That it works, right? right? So even if he's just a one-year guy, the value in showing good quarterback play plus this system equals wins here, that's something that you can sell, especially when you're probably dipping in the portal next year to get another guy. So you can point to him and say, hey, Gabriel came here, the roster what was not what yours is going to be, right. and look at how successful he was. So, so that makes sense. It's a gamble. If, if Gabriel comes in and State could somehow win eight games next year, then yeah, Levy has a great selling point. Like, look, we're going to continue to build this program, and we can build around you, and and you go from there. But if Levy comes in, or if Gabriel comes in, and they're not successful, it, it becomes a, a very very difficult proposition for Mississippi State going forward. It's, to me, the thing for Dylan Gabriel, it's like you, you'd love to get a peek inside his mind and go, okay, well, what does he want? 
Because it feels like most quarterbacks, most most players, period, but especially most quarterbacks, if they have one year of remaining eligibility and they have had a successful career, but they have not had a legitimate chance at the playoffs, then if a potential playoff team landing spot is an option where they are likely to be the starter, mm-hmm. then it feels like that makes sense. Right. Yeah. Or, and Oregon falls into that category. They check every single box that you would want as a one-year quarterback. They, they check them all. I mean, that, that that's If Oregon decided, or I assume they have decided if they're bringing him in for a visit, that they want him, it's hard for almost anybody in the country to compete with what Oregon can offer. You've got the brand power, you've got the money, and you've got a roster that can compete for a championship next year. It's hard to beat that. I mean, Ohio State, if they're looking for a quarterback, that's another one where, I mean, how do you compete with them? If they want the, guy, the same guy you want, you're going to lose because they offer everything. Check every box. Oregon checks every box. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, And, and with Dylan Gabriel, there's no getting closer to home. I mean, he's nah. from Hawaii. And I mean, play, he, he they he's play been Hawaii in Orlando. Week, they play in Hawaii week one. <laughs> so you got you got a homecoming game if you want to do that. So this is no different, though. I mean, this is really no different than state versus anybody in a high level recruiting situation, right? I mean, Mississippi State has to offer what it has to offer. Alabama, Georgia, LSU, Oklahoma, Texas—they all have to offer what they have to offer, and it's more. So. You know, the, the, if if Levy wasn't in in Starkville right now, if State had gone for John Sumrall or Rhett Lashley or anybody else, we're not even having this conversation no, about Dylan no, Gabriel. We're not. And there's going to be but, other quarterbacks. But the difference, the, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to say the difference is normally in those recruiting situations that you're talking about. Hey, Dad, State's in a regional battle. They're yeah. not in a national battle. No, you're right. This is a national battle. Yeah. Very rarely is state in a national battle. I mean, the last five-star state sign was Charles Cross, which is, I mean, you think, well, that wasn't that long ago. It was, it was four years ago. Yeah. So, or I'm sorry, it was five years ago. Five, five classes ago. And we got a question on the text line about would, it, would they be better served to go after somebody with more eligibility? Better served? Probably not. Is that something that you can feel good about, though, as they continue to portal shop? Yes. Like, I'll throw a name at you. You guys probably don't know who this name is. Chandler Rogers. Do you know who that is? He just he just into the portal. He's from North Texas. North Texas. And State would have a connection there. They just hired North Texas's uh, offensive line coach as their tight ends coach. Completed 62% He's of his passes, 3,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, five interceptions. His running stats, like they, they didn't run him much. He's athletic and, yeah. and can run. Yeah. I mean, so those are the kind of guys that are still in the portal. Is he Dylan Gabriel? Not, not his production. Is he a highly productive, talented college quarterback with multiple years of eligibility? Yeah. It's kind of what I talked about when State was hiring a coach. I was like, even if they miss on Jamie Chadwell, there's still a pretty deep pool of candidates. It's the same thing here. Even if they miss on Gabriel, there's still a deep pool of quarterbacks they can go after and, and feel good about. We've got much more to talk about with you this afternoon. Sports Talk Mississippi will take a quick timeout. Coming up next, Eli Letterman will join us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? what? This is so on Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome again to Sports Talk Mississippi on this Tuesday afternoon, the 5th of December. It's day two of the transfer portal being open. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. It feels like over the last couple of weeks there are a lot of stories that are tying the states of Mississippi and Oklahoma together, and so we thought we would bring on Eli Letterman uh, when we visited with Eli back in the summer in Nashville, he was with the Tulsa World. He is now with a uh, relatively new venture called Sellout Crowd. It is a hyper-local website that is focused on Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and the OKC Thunder. Uh, really cool uh, what they've got going there. Eli, appreciate a few minutes of your time. Good to uh, good to catch up again. Hey, it's good to be on. appreciate the intro. And uh, come on, for you guys in Starkville, anything, I'm happy to, happy to join and and talk all things you're right, connecting Starkville and Norman, which is not something we might have projected other than being in the SEC together back in July when we were uh, having, a, having a little bit of a time in Nashville. Just just to correct you, Eli, Haydad is the only schmuck that has anything to do with Starkville. Oh he is with us, but so, you and I will so talk for the most part. Such uh, a homer. <laughs> what a homer. Oh, no. Well, but the crazy thing is there's kind of a tie to Ole Miss as well with uh, the news that we got on Sunday. But let's let's start with the uh, the tie to Starkville. Obviously, Jeff Levy was the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma. He is named the, the head coach. What was the reaction from, from Oklahoma fans with uh, Jeff Levy making the move and getting that opportunity to be the head coach at Mississippi State? A bit of a, a mixed bag. I think you guys probably would have picked up on this. Um, as Jeff Levy's name, you know, became increasingly tied to, to Mississippi State and then ultimately him getting hired, you know, there, there was plenty of, you know, feeling in the fan base, particularly after the two losses to Kansas and Oklahoma State, that Jeff Levy was the problem, that he was holding this team back, that he needed to go in 2024. And there's certainly folks who, um, you know, when, when Zach Selman, swooped in and, and pulled them out of Norman there, you know, it was easy, certainly easy to say, you know, good riddance and, um, and, you know, Oh, you know, no more jet sweeps this, that, but there are probably some other more rational folks. So even with the frustrations there were to be, uh, to be had with Jeff Levy's offense, you know, depending on who you ask, you know, things about his off field stuff, connections, all that in his past fact is Jeff Levy had them, you know, playing offense and scoring and, and picking up yards better than almost any offense in the country. So I think, you know, there was a bit of that, you know, some happy to see him go, but perhaps some of the more rational and grounded at least could see, even if he didn't love his play calling, love uh, his background, all that. Fact is, he he did what he said he was going to do when he came to Oklahoma. They were, uh, you know, fourth-ranked offense in the country, and that's now what the Sooners have to maintain, but without Jeff Levy. So I think that's a bit of the taste here, a bit of a mixed bag. You know, the Dylan Gabriel piece is really interesting as well because he and Jeff Levy have been connected for so much of their careers absent the time that, that Jeff Levy was at Ole Miss for a couple of seasons. So Dylan Gabriel enters the transfer portal. Was that a surprise to people or was that expected? Um, yes and no. Uh, this is my second yes and no answer for you. But, you know, Dylan, I, the expectation from August on, and, uh, I, in fact, I was in a hotel ballroom where he was speaking this afternoon and he basically laid all this out. Um, he said, my plan was, you know, to go out on top this year, uh, go, you know, have, have a great season, which he did, and then ride out into the sunset were his words and go to the NFL. And I, I think on the whole, and, and we knew this back in August that, you know, his NFL prospect is a guy who's, who's, 
relatively undersized and has a, a good, not great arm, all that, that might have been tough. And he had an incredible season, most productive season of his career. He's a fabulous college quarterback. But when it came to this time of year, you know, he said it, draft grades were not kind of what he was hoping for. He didn't get that senior goal invite. I think all of that told him that uh, he wasn't time to go to the NFL or maybe that that's really not going to be an opportunity. And from there, I think I would have been very surprised if he was back in Norman next year. And so when you're evaluating options after that, hitting the portal, getting in there as one of the elite, you know, available quarterbacks who is going to be getting a lot of calls or he's going to make, uh, you know, have an opportunity to make a good bit of money wherever he goes, that was the option. So I guess I'd say I, I, no one, not nobody, but, you know, I didn't expect him back in Norman next year, but it was a bit of a surprise, certainly as early as it came, that he that he did hit the portal that way. And so, Eli, that sort of leads to the question here in, in Mississippi, is the relationship between Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel strong enough to bring D- uh, Dylan Gabriel to Mississippi State? It's the question, right, as it relates to those two. I mean, they are so, so, so tight. Um, you could see it uh, in, in moments after games. You talk about the, the Texas comeback and, uh, and Dylan Gabriel leaving that one, the hug between those two, the way they spoke about each other and their relationship. I think Brett Venables called it something closer to father-son than, than coach and player. So they are exceptionally tight, and so the links are there for good reason. I think the question just is, you know, if Dylan Gabriel, who, who said it today, you know, is looking for somewhere to, to contend, uh, you know, next year for the playoff. Um, I, you know, I don't think he's, from you know, first and foremost looking for the, the most money, but when you're talking about Oregon, USC, the, the waters he's swimming in, is Mississippi State there? That's where I'd have my questions. But there's no doubting the connections. I, I, I think it's just a matter of, you know, where's Mississippi State in 2024? It's only going to be for a year for Dylan Gabriel. And then, you know, NIL is going to play a role here. And, and the question then is, can Mississippi State keep up? Visiting with Eli Letterman from Sellout Crowd. He covers the Oklahoma Sooners. He's joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So Eli, the other tie between the state of Oklahoma and the state of Mississippi is um, Ole Miss and, and Oklahoma and coming down to that last New Year's Six playoff spot. Um, what what was the reaction from, from Oklahoma fans? And I kind of couched that question in, I was listening to an interview that, that one of the college football reporters at ESPN did, and he just came out and said, like, you know, Oklahoma's the team that got screwed in this. When you look at the resumes of 10-2 and two teams, they by far had the best resume. I'm not sure that we necessarily looked at that the same way with, with some of the objective measures that supposedly the committee was using to uh, to look at it. Certainly had, they had the best win of anybody because of the win over Texas in the regular season. But what was the what was the local reaction? Locally, some thought they got screwed. I think if anybody got screwed Sunday, we all agree it's probably Florida State. Um, but the Sooners, you know, probably have a, a relative gripe, and certainly OU fans have taken that up. I mean, you think about it. Look at the teams in there. Nobody has a win like Oklahoma's win over Texas, a win that only got better over the weekend with Texas shooting up, making the playoff. Um, but the fact is, you know, it, it seemed like the committee, for, you know, right or wrong, I don't know the right answer on this, um, you know, was valuing ultimately like quality losses. And Oklahoma's losses to Kansas and Oklahoma State didn't quite stack up with, you know, the SEC teams, Ole Miss, Missouri, uh, with losses to, you know, Alabama, Georgia, LSU. Uh, if you look in the Big Ten, it was Ohio State and Michigan for Penn State. I don't know if that's the right thing. Um, you know, again, the committee kind of told us 
uh, well, they were all over the place, but in, in one sense told us that, you know, winning games isn't the end-all be-all this weekend. That's what the FSU thing kind of was. So, um, you know, I think there was an element of that there, two other bits. I think the committee at least stayed consistent on Oklahoma. After their two losses that really took them out of, of the playoff contention and ultimately the Big 12 title race, the committee basically kept OU where it was and, and wasn't swayed by their big wins over West Virginia and TCU. Uh, they saw kind of how it went down at, at BYU in November. Um, so they, they stayed consistent with the Sooners. And, you know, the other piece here, I've got to imagine with all the other things the committee was worried about, that the 8 through 12 and the two lost teams were not top of the list. And so I wasn't shocked to see it kind of stay put. Eli, last thing, we, we have all but for the postseason made it through the final football season that Oklahoma is participating in the, the Big 12. Was this like the, okay, we got through it, and now the – I mean, even though there's still basketball and baseball and all the spring sports to happen, does, like, the, the attention fully turn to it's time for the SEC now? Yeah, it's going to get there because, now, you know, football 12 months a year, just like I'm sure it is there. I know it is there. And so that is where the attention turns. And I think really if you're an OU fan, you can have gripes about the fact that they didn't make the New Year's Six or, you know, didn't have a shot at the Big 12 title. But I, if I were an OU fan, I'd be letting out a sigh of relief because this year heading into the SEC was just going to be about, you know, is Brent Venables the guy to take us into the SEC? Can they turn it around from six and seven a year ago? And wasn't perfect, wasn't flawless. They have things to fix. But broadly speaking, we're talking about a 10-2 and two team. They get their 11th win later this month in the Alamo Bowl. That's stable, and they're they're recruiting well. They're going to presumably, you know, have plenty of guys to to go after in the portal. Things are on track. If we were talking, and this was, you know, a seven and five OU season, and they're staring down the SEC, I think there would be a lot of concern there. But I think with the way this season went, there's general optimism about you know the direction of the program and where it's heading, and then you know excitement going to the SEC. We're going to know all the dates for that that schedule next year by, you know, Wednesday of next week, there's certainly a lot of excitement there. And I, I think, you know, as always, the, the football mind in Norman goes further than anything else. That people are less concerned about Big 12 basketball as they are, you know, the Big 12, uh, the SEC schedule for next year. Yeah, it's really interesting because that's a little bit different than the way when we talked about it this summer. It's like there was a lot of trepidation and kind of, okay, is it going to be ready to make the, the transition? But, uh uh, it feels like Oklahoma is in a better place. Hey, I'll give you a little nugget. Oklahoma is going to be in Oxford on October 26th. How about that? Well, I'll, you uh, I'll see, you, see you guys there. Hopefully. Hopefully that'll be the case. <laughs> Eli, I really appreciate your time. Good catching up, and we'll talk soon. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Eli Letterman joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Let's go, let's go. This is your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk.tv. 
Thanks for being with us, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borke. Good conversation with Eli Letterman. And uh, it, it really wasn't until we kind of got into that conversation. I guess we talked about it a little bit this morning, but there are a lot of ties between Oklahoma and Mississippi right now. I mean, just a, over the last couple of weeks, there's a lot kind of tying these two states together, and it's, uh, it's a fascinating time. Yeah, it's cool. It, I like Oklahoma. They got free queso at the Mexican restaurants, you know. All of them? Supposedly. It's like a Oklahoma it's thing. A thing there. Yeah. Every so single it's one. It's not just salsa. You get, you get queso, too. Which I got overcharged for queso recently at a place that I'm not going back to. No. Can't you know have much money that would have saved me through the years if the queso was free? Could have bought a different car. <laughs> but you love your car. I do you love my car. would have, but you could have. I'm just saying. Yeah. Could have lights um, in the backyard. That kind of money. You could. You, you could. They've got some pretty inexpensive solar-powered lights. I mean, you might not even have to have electricity for them, hey, Dad? I'll look into it. Yeah. Christmas is coming up. My, my wife asked me yesterday, she's like, what do you want for Christmas? So let's see, let's see how much those are. Lights. Lights. Do you want a permanent solution, or would you be okay with a portable solution? I mean, I only need it for, you know, from daylight savings you know, to daylight savings, right? I mean, I'm not usually cooking until 7, 38 o'clock on a... On a night, so. I mean, I guess what I'm getting at is, I mean, I know we've talked about installing lights at your house, but, but would you be willing to go to the two extra steps of running an extension cord and taking a tripod out by your grill? Yeah. Because they make these these light towers. It's like a tripod, and it's got four lights on Now they're like LED light. You used to have to change the bulbs out. They were halogen, and it was a headache. But now they're LED. And I mean, like. You light up your backyard like the 4th of July with one of those. I'll look into it. That might be the way to go. All right. That might be the way to go. Very good. Sports Talk Mississippi. Anything that Eli said that, that stood out to you guys as he was kind of talking about Jeff Levy, Oklahoma not in a New Year's Six game, Dylan Gabriel, all of the above? Fans expect weekly perfection. Kind of guessed that with Oklahoma, though. But I mean, okay. But that's the thing. O- Oklahoma had a good year. It's a good program, all that. Yeah. I-, I said yesterday, incorrectly, that they got smoked in all four of their playoff appearances. It's just three of their four when they were completely and totally non-competitive. Oklahoma's national championship that they won under Stoops was 1991? 99. Stoops? 99. 99? No, or 2000. 2000. Okay. They don't miss in 99. I was eight. So Lost where Ole Miss beat them? I'm sorry, Ole Miss beat them. Well, where where is this inflated sense of our offense? By God, cannot have a down week, or else we need to fire the, the 70s guy. And 80s. It's insane. I mean, they won what four national titles in 20 years? But like we, well, but but didn't they win like 16 out of 17 conference championships? I mean, even though they didn't win the national championship beyond yeah. the year 2000. But that was clearly one of the five elite programs is, in all of college football. It was great, football. but you're talking about the number four offense in college football, and the fans are like, no, this sucks. That's yeah, what I'm talking about. That's a little entitled. They yeah. need to, re- to reset their expectations next year. But it's like, like that with... Nine and three would be really good for Oklahoma next year. I don't know how people get through like basketball and baseball games. I don't know how people survive. I don't know how their hearts survive football games. I mean, now that we sit here with 12 games over, right... You are a moron if you don't think Pete Golding did an objectively phenomenal job with the Ole Miss defense. 
But my gosh, there are a couple of games this year where, oh, he sucks, he's terrible, he's not earning his salary. It's like, guys, what do you think is supposed to happen every week? You think that this guy's going to come in with a new scheme and take those players and make them better than Georgia? Like, What are we talking about here? There is such an irrational expectation for every single football team and player. And hearing that about Levy, yeah, it, the Oklahoma State, the one play at the end of the Oklahoma State game was really bad. He ran a route short of the sticks on fourth down. I mean, come on. But, I mean, he is a human being after all. And the other team also like has players and they scheme and they coach. And I don't know, man. Are you perfect every day at work? Is every day the best day you've ever had? It's just insane to me to hear that. That that, that Oklahoma fans are happy that the guy that orchestrated the number 4 offense in college football is gone. Yeah. It's total nonsense. I agree. The other thing that stood out to me, I I knew that they were close, but to hear him describe Lebby and and Dylan Gabriel as almost like a father-son relationship, that's very interesting to me, you know. Because coaches have great relationships with their players all the time, right? But father and son doesn't get used a whole lot. So maybe the the chances for Mississippi State are are a little better than we think they are. Yeah, and I'm thinking like of local examples. It at times kind of looked like that with Lane Kiffin and Matt Corral. I don't think you've ever thought that when you looked at the relationship between Lane Kiffin and Jackson Dart. I think there's mutual respect there, but the relationship with Matt Corral looked different. All right, what could be different for NIL coming up? Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports Talk Mississippi. You know I love sports. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon, the 5th of December, in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort. Think about a little holiday getaway. That'd be a great place to do it. It's like you can get away without really getting too far away from home. And spend a night in you got lots of different accommodation options, great meals, great live entertainment. You've got the gaming piece, the golf piece. You can do it all at Pearl River Resort. Check them out online at pearlriverresort.com. It was a hiccup, hey, Dad, that's all. You have a lot of hiccups lately. Are you turning into Bo Jackson? I don't think so. They're not constant. Okay. They don't really bother me either. We don't need you to get you a raccoon or whatever it was that he had, right? Did he eat a raccoon? No, he had to smell its rear end. Did that? No, work? it didn't. But apparently, that's an old country remedy. Don't you just need to I've alter heard. your breathing pattern? Isn't that ultimately the way that you get rid of hiccups? Well, I mean, I would imagine doing that would alter your breathing pattern pretty easily. I wonder why a raccoon and not a skunk. I mean, maybe the skunk might be too much. Might knock you out. Well, if the raccoon didn't work. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to up the game then, yeah. 
Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. So this is what I've referenced a couple of times today. Uh, Charlie Baker, the president of the NCAA, sent out via, well, there was a letter and there was a tweet or a series of tweets. But sent out a letter today that outlined that changes they are coming to the the large and heavily resourced institutions in college athletics. So different than Mark Emmert, Charlie Baker is recognizing that not everyone is created equally under the NCAA Division I umbrella. We all know it. Everybody in athletics knows it. Some people complain about it. Some people just get that it's the reality. But everybody knows it. But until recently, the NCAA is like the only entity that hasn't been willing to admit it. And so Charlie Baker has proposed the creation of a new subdivision within Division One that would allow the highest resource schools the ability to, among other things, compensate athletes directly through a trust fund and direct name, image, and likeness payments. The proposal was sent out to Division One members and obtained by The Athletic and Ross Dellinger at Yahoo Sports and ESPN and other people. Here are the high points. New subdivision made up of the institutions with the highest resources, not specified, just, you know, if you fancy yourself a high-resource school, then maybe you can be part of this neighborhood, that can directly compensate athletes through a, quote, enhanced educational trust fund, close quote, which requires the schools that opt into it an investment of at least $30,000 per year per athlete for at least half of the school's eligible athletes. Schools would have to adhere to Title IX, providing equal monetary opportunities to both female and male athletes. Schools in the new subdivision could create their own rules, separate from the rest of Division I, and those rules would allow them the ability to address policies such as scholarship limits, and roster size, as well as transfers and NIL. Any Division I school would be able to enter into an NIL deal with its athletes directly, which is not currently permissible, and any Division I school would be able to distribute to any athlete funding related to educational benefits without any caps on such compensation. Those four bullet points, by the way, open up about 327 questions. To which we don't have the answer. Charlie Baker just kind of painted with some big old broad brush strokes today. Now, was that intentional? Is he going to allow the schools themselves, to kind of figure out what this means. The thing that it says to me more than anything else is Charlie Baker in the NCAA office 
are tired of dealing with it. And this is their way of washing their hands of the issue and saying, look, we understand what the current rules are. We're willing to just say, tear up the rule book for, for, for those of you who have lots and lots and lots of money, and you guys just figure it out yourselves. Do you guys read this that way? This reads to me like they were expecting or are trying to avoid what I thought was the inevitable, the conferences, the big ones, breaking away. And this is allowing them to break away without actually breaking away. Mm -hmm. And staying under their umbrella and protecting their billion-dollar-a-year tournament. Yeah. And what this would also create, the, the so this could create a lot of issues, obviously. Um, you have a chance that sports could go away or whatever. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff that would happen here. However, from a football perspective, I think that it is becoming apparent that the group of five should have its own championship. Yes. And this would be a step towards that. Hey, this is kind of long, so I may kind of skim through this. In his letter, he says, I look forward to hearing from members and student-athletes as we move ahead, but moving ahead in this direction has several benefits. He says, it significantly enhances the NCAA's ability to provide world-class educational and athletics experiences to the most elite student-athletes. In theory, it's you're providing money for more educational opportunities, but there's not going to be any governance on how the money is spent. So if a kid wants to study abroad for the summer and stay at the Versailles Hotel in Paris, the school can foot the bill for it. Or the kid can just take the money for that educational opportunity and buy a new car or, or whatever. You need um, a car to drive to the library be hard to drive it all the way to Paris, though. True. Uh, enables the uh, enables the continued investment in women's sports and women's student-athletes at a level that compares with future investments in men's sports. Here's what's going to happen, though. Here's what's going to happen. So, so this, this will work periodically, but the football players, this is what's going to happen. The football players are going to look at the mega TV deals that they are generating, the 100,000-seat stadiums that they are filling up, and they're going to look at all that and say, wait a minute. Now, hold on. I get this amount of money. And so does the person playing second base on the softball team who draws 50 people a game and program loses millions of dollars a year? Nah, doesn't work. Let's go back to court. And, and we got our first Title IX lawsuit this past Friday. It came from Oregon, I think it was. believe it that is correct. It featured their beach volleyball team and their rowing team. I just... And... Okay. It, look, look, look. Title IX serve, serves, served and serves an extremely important purpose and by and large has been very, very good for college athletics 
has been very, very good for opportunities for female student-athletes. But it also has created an imbalance of what you get based on what you produce. And an example that I heard years ago, remember back when getting a video board was a big deal? The Tennessee baseball team had raised money for a video board for its stadium, and they installed it. And shortly thereafter, the softball team said, okay, we want our video board. And they, well, they raised the money for their video board, and I said, we don't care where the money came from, put our video board in. And so Tennessee put the video board in as kind of a Title IX balance thing. Whether that's right or wrong or a good example or a bad example, that's certainly up for debate. But there is an imbalance there. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports. Sports. On your radio and in the game. Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. You can uh, join us on the ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. So I was telling you that um, Charlie Baker in this letter outlined what he saw as the benefits. Um, Educational institutions with the most visibility, it gives them, um, he, he says, it gives the educational institutions with the most visibility, the most financial resources, and the biggest brands an opportunity to choose to operate with a different set of rules that more accurately reflect their scale and their operating model. Gives colleges and universities that are not sure about which direction they should move in an opportunity to do more for their student athletes than they do now without necessarily having to perform at the financial levels required to join the subdivision. That's an interesting point, by the way. So, can we, I think that we should assume that Ole Miss and Mississippi State would both be a part of this new subdivision, right? Yeah, subdivisions. And based on budgets, simply based on budgets, I think we can assume that Southern Mississippi would not be a part of this new subdivision at the Division One level. However, Southern Mississippi, based on the way this initially uh, reads initially, could say that, well, well, yes, we're not operating at that level. We are interested in entering into some select NIL deals with our student-athletes. 
and so potentially would have a chance to elevate themselves within the group of like schools that would make up that tier that exists right now. Does that make sense? It does. Just, I'm still wondering. I understand why he has to do it because they're in, it's the entity, but uh, this is going to sound so bad, but it's the truth. They need to stop talking about and acting as if football and men's basketball are equal to softball and volleyball and soccer and gymnastics. They are not the same. Yes, I know Livy Dunn makes a ton of money. It's because she's incredibly good-looking. It's not because she's a good gymnast. They're not the same, and that's okay. Like Saying they're not the same, for some reason, people just get so offended by that. They're not the same. But women's sports are incredibly valuable. They do a lot of great things, and they need to maintain and sustain. I'm afraid still trying to pretend that they are the same is going to cause problems that might see those sports go away eventually. At least to some of them. It might cause problems there. And it almost assuredly is going to make some men's sports go away. Yes. Oh, yeah, for sure. 100%. And those are incredibly valuable. The men's soccer team at Middle Tennessee State, nobody cares about the men's soccer team at Middle Tennessee State. But there's 25 guys on that team that are going to school that are getting opportunities that they may not have otherwise. There's value there. But we have got... I mean, I understand why Charlie Baker has to do it, but my gosh, you have got to stop pretending like football is the same as everything else, like men's basketball is the same as everything else. My, my argument, and, and again, I'm, it may not be the right one, but I have long said that I love the idea of Title IX and what it does in terms of balanced opportunities for men's and women's sports. I just think football should not be part of the equation. Football, generally speaking, foots the bills for the entire athletics department. Take it out of the Title IX equation and let everybody recognize that none of us have any opportunities without football. And then take your men's and women's sports and balance them scholarship for scholarship. Perfect. That's a great compromise. If your men's basketball team gets 12 scholarships, your women's basketball team gets 12 scholarships. If your women's golf team gets... Five and a half scholarships, your men's golf team gets five and a half scholarships. If you have a soccer team and a volleyball team, does that mean you have to have a men's soccer team and a men's volleyball team? Not necessarily. But if you want to have a men's soccer team, you can balance those two sides one for one, scholarship v. scholarship. You can do it with track and field, you can do it with tennis. And, and maybe maybe you want to have a, a women's sand volleyball team, which is an NCAA sport, and you want to have a men's lacrosse team. Or maybe you want to have a men's lacrosse team that requires 14 scholarships. And to balance that on the women's side, you have soccer and volleyball. You, you get the idea. But you just match your men's and women's scholarship for scholarship on either side with football out of the equation. Because the money generated by football 
is footing the bill for everything else. It's just my opinion. Um, some of the other benefits that Charlie Baker says this gives. Provide student-athletes in the most competitive and well-resourced part of Division One with significant educational benefits that they can use to launch themselves once they either graduate or reach the end of their athletics eligibility, and it does so in a way that respects and complies with the rules concerning gender equity. I don't even know if I know what that means. Gives the schools most impacted by collectives, the transfer portal, and NIL the opportunity to create rules, programming, and resources that are in the best interest of the vast majority of their student-athletes instead of just a few. Maintains the exi- This is interesting. Maintains the existing NCAA national championship model across all existing Division I sports except FBS football, which continues to operate under the rubric of the college football playoff. That's fascinating to me that you are going to say big, rich schools, if you guys vote on it, you can have 25 college baseball scholarships. But those schools are going to compete for the same national championship that exists for schools that still only have 11.7 scholarships. It's a fascinating development there. Uh, Provides an operating model the NCAA and its member institutions can incorporate into ongoing discussions with Congress about the future of college athletics. Woohoo! Kickstarts a long overdue conversation among the membership that focuses on the difference that exists between schools, conferences, and divisions, and how to create more permissive and flexible rules across the NCAA that put student athletes first. Borky, I think you nailed it earlier. Re- reading through that entire thing and looking at what they outline as the benefits, this is the NCAA's bid to keep 60 schools from breaking away from the association. They're trying to hold the entire thing together by saying, look, we're all different, and so we're going to operate under different sets of rules. Somebody said, let's get real on the ceasefire text line and honest and quit calling football power five players student athletes. Yeah, but some are. I mean, I have to throw that completely out. Speaking of subdivisions, if state continues to go in the wrong direction it is going in lately, state is going to have to remodel the old house on the property the new subdivision is being built on. Mm. I don't know if you're just taking. Look! Isn't the truth that in Starkville and in Oxford, the athletics departments have kind of had a little bit of a roller coaster ride? You go through periods of success and it feels like everything is having success, and you go through period, periods where you feel like you're losing at everything. And then there are periods where it's kind of balanced. It's like football's up, but baseball's down, or basketball's up, but, you know, whatever's down. I don't know. I don't know. This opens up a lot of questions. 
A lot of questions. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. More coming up with you right after this. Mississippi to the junction in the grove and to the top. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Good to be with you this afternoon. Let's pull this thing back local. We're going to get answers to those questions, I guess, eventually from people that are smarter than we are, and you can certainly read all of that on your own. Besides, I'm afraid Brian Haydad's just going to go to sleep if we talk any more about a proposed NCAA stuff. Although, two days out of the season. Two days out of the regular season, and here we are back with this again. I mean, you want to act like this isn't a big story, though? I mean, we'll see how it all pans out, man. I just, I I don't trust the NCAA to do anything right. I don't trust Congress to do anything right. So, I mean, we'll see how it pans out. The the concept, though, of having a separate championship is really interesting to me. Because, Richard, you got to call it, right? I know the game wasn't great, but... Was that your first FCS playoff game that you've ever called? It was. It was. How electric is that? Um, very, which it was a unique situation. In having the number one team that had won 26 straight games, their fans are already spoiled. Yeah. So, I mean, South Dakota State's kind of like Alabama of the FCS right now. They're what North Dakota State was. They've played in two of the last three national championship games, and so their stadium holds 19,000. They only had like 10,000. Oh, wow. And they told us in advance, they're like, it's not going to be a good crowd. They expect to win today, and they'll have a big game next week and the week after that, and they'll show up for those. I was like, it's 37 and sunny. This is balmy this time of year. Come to the football game. It costs $10 to get in. But you, you... And, and then I flipped on, on ESPN Plus after the fact, and you saw the scene in Missoula. Oh, with that the snow, place is nuts. Uh, you saw the scene in Bozeman with the blocked extra point in overtime. Did you and see like, how long the seams of the football stayed on that dude's arm? By the way, he's in the locker room after the game, and they're taking pictures of his arm because the seams of the football are still on his arm from when he blocked the field goal. Yeah, he didn't exactly get fingertip. Come on, man. Just all you got to do is just like hit a little lob shot over the goalpost, man. Is this not? You don't have to hit a missile through the, the hands of the defensive line. Anyway, your point. But it's amazing. Like, I grew up on it. Yeah, P- Paladin Stadium was rocking cool. on Saturday, too, and they beat Chattanooga. And so there are people that think, well, if you have the group of five play their own championship, their seasons won't matter as much. As opposed to right now, hey, Liberty won every single game they played, 
And they didn't get to play in the playoff either. Cincinnati had to go undefeated for two years before they got a chance at the playoff. They had to do it twice. And they're the only one that's ever done it. And they're the only one that's ever done it. So if you're a Southern Miss fan listening to this right now, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. You guys may think I'm crazy. Wouldn't it be way better to have a season that can end in a championship with a trophy? What is Southern Miss playing for right now? The Sun Belt Championship. Furman doesn't care that Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and all that play for the national championship. They get to play for one, too. And it's meaningful and it matters. And so if you have Southern Miss and UAB and Texas San Antonio and these programs that have a championship to play for instead of, well, I hope we can play Oregon in the Fiesta Bowl, doesn't that make their season matter more? Like, Isn't that a great idea to have Instead of 130 teams playing for one championship when maybe 40 of them are actually equipped to try to assemble a roster to get there, that you have 70 doing that and then another 60 on the same playing field with a realistic chance to hold up a real trophy at the end of the year, I don't see a single downside in it. And it's not like you can't play the big boys to get your big checks, too. Herman's at Ole Miss next year. So if you create a separate division, you can still go go to your buy games. That doesn't go away. Yeah. But but there is an element of you're not playing at the highest level. And and the counter to that could be you're not playing at the highest level now. You're not. And Idaho but, went down a level and look at look yeah. at Idaho football right now. Kibby Dome gonna be rocking on Saturday night. And Brian Haydad might even watch. I might tune in. Because it'll be football on television. I might tune in. Um, I think I can get that Brian Haydad more engaged on this. So who's going to be Mississippi State's new defensive coordinator? And what's the holdup? The holdup is a great question. I don't know about the who, but the, 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 the length of time is kind of weird. Like, you need to get a guy in. you got visitors coming this weekend. You've got... Portal guys, you know, need want to know what's going on. I, I'm very surprised at this point that there hasn't been a name dropped uh, by Mississippi State. Obviously, you know, they got to hire a few more assistant coaches as well. But the, I, I feel like they they want to bring in the coordinator and and go from there. David Turner has his spot on on the on the on the staff. That's a guy that if you look at him under Mullen, I mean, he worked under how many different defensive coordinators there? Five. Plus, working for Matt Brocklash. I mean, that's you laugh, but I'm, I'm I think I'm right. He worked for Diaz, Chris Wilson, Jeff Collins, Peter Sermon, and Todd Grantham. And you then only he worked for Diaz Matt. once, though. Do I now? Diaz you only twice. Count Diaz once. Twice. So one guy, two tenures. Yeah. And so then you have, uh, then you had last year with Matt Brock. So that's not the issue. But yeah, State needs to find somebody. I, I'm, I'm, I am confused. I will say uh, say that about. Why it's taking so long? I, I was willing to let last weekend pass, thinking maybe they were going after somebody who was playing last weekend. But now last weekend has come and gone, and, and it's time to start getting your, your your ducks in a row here. And I'm not quite sure what the uh, the holdup is. Who would you hire? Well, that's a good question. Um, Thanks. <laughs> every every time, time I say that's a good question. Every time. Ah. Uh, I think that the guy that, that people wanted to look at first was DJ Durkin. Obviously, familiarity with Leben, Lebby. Uh, obviously, a veteran, a guy who's been around this conference for a long time, has been in the, around college football for a long time. 
Um, his name popped up. Jeff Collins' names popped up, which I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, if state's going to go to a swag campaign, it makes sense to have the minister of swag on on your staff, I guess. Swag um, is state. Swag is state. That's correct. I'll, I'm going to get you a shirt. Don't worry. Um, Has somebody made them? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Glad we could provide that opportunity for Swag. Them. Stuff we all get. Remember we mentioned that as soon as it was said, it's like, we really ought to, if we were smart, we'd be putting that on T-shirts. We would have, but we're not smart. Um, and then, you know, I've seen a few other names, young guys, you know, guys ready for their first big opportunity. I'm not... A hundred percent sure how to pronounce his first name. I think it's Sheel Wood from Tulane has been a oh, yeah. name that's popped up on yeah, some places. Yeah. Did I pronounce that correctly? Mm-hmm. Okay, he's an interesting guy in terms of you know, his, his defenses at Tulane have been good. He's young. I, I don't. I don't mind that. So, but they haven't. But they haven't. They they do have. A, I will give Zach Selman and his staff some credit. It's a lockdown over there, man. You got to really work for info. To get it over there, so they, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing because you would think if there were people's names popping out, you you would have some idea of where they were headed, but you don't. You don't have that right now. We've gotten a couple of texts about former Syracuse defensive coordinator Zach Arnett. <laughs> Y'all, no. He was there. how many days was he there before uh, Leach hired him away? It wasn't long. I it was think like, it was like two a, weeks, right? It was like a couple weeks at most. Yeah, it was not very long at all. Just, just go with me here for a second, hey, Dad. If you don't mind, humor me. I've been doing that for five years, Cross. Go ahead. If, if Mississippi State hired Zach Arnett to be its next defensive coordinator, yeah, would the money they paid him as defensive coordinator <laughs> offset against the money they owe him for having let him go? Borky, can you uh, can you cue up the inception sound? <laughs> When the, the train hits the building, that the 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 mitig- would the mitigation clause be rendered null and void? <laughs> but but at the same time, you still you mitigate yourself. It's self mitigation. I don't know how that would work. Ornette gets 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 fifty cents on the dollar, but at the same time, he still gets the whole dollar. Yeah, I mean it's. It's it's a hypothetical because it's not going to yeah, happen. It's, it's but like, I'm just like what when, if, when you work what here, you, did that? you get a direct deposit for your paycheck, but your expense report they send you a check for that. Same thing, like you know, the, you get your salary, but your mitigation money, your 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 buyout money, we send you an actual paper check for that one. Hmm. It's two different accounts that money comes out of. Yeah, if I'm Zach Arnett and I agree to that. Just, yeah, just, then part of the negotiation is, yeah, that whole mitigation thing. Like he he's asking me to come be his his defensive coordinator. Yeah. Like three weeks ago, you asked me to leave. Yeah. So, if you're going to give the new guy what he wants, you're going to have to make me whole on both sides. There so we're getting the full buyout plus. I'm getting I'm getting the buyout. No. That's we're not doing. That. And you're going to pay me to be the defensive coordinator, or. You can tell your coach who hasn't been able to hire a defensive coordinator that has asked me to be his defensive coordinator to go find another defensive coordinator. I think that's probably the way they would look there. No, I'm saying if I were Zach Arnett, that's what I would say to them. Yeah, I, I get it. So that's there. I don't think he, I, I I don't expect Zach Arnett to be the defensive coordinator at Mississippi State. No, nor do I. Nor should anyone. Uh, Chase and Columbus has anyone thrown out or explored the idea of getting Todd Grantham back? No. 
Has anyone thrown out or explored the idea of getting Peter's sermon back? Just you. Is it any different? <laughs> the best. The best. Sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk Mississippi. Super talk Mississippi. Supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Sports Talk brought to you in part by M-Trade Park in Oxford. Find them online at mtradepark.com. A little bit of a quiet time through uh, December and January, but when February rolls around, so will the tournaments, whether it's you, Triple S-A Baseball, or Fast Pitch, or soccer tournaments. They are loaded down for the upcoming spring season. mtradepark.com, you can go to the events page there and see all of the upcoming events. If you're involved with scheduling for your son or daughter's team or you're the coach of a uh, youth team in Mississippi, want to be sure that you've got mtrade park on the schedule. mtradepark.com if you're going to play, play mtrade. We're glad to be with you this afternoon. Any new news in the transfer portal? Yeah, Xavion Thomas just went in it. Okay, then. I was about to ask you. I knew that had been rumored. Yeah. Yeah, so. that's something. If you're a Thunder and Lightning listener, not a surprise to you. We've been talking about it for, for a couple of weeks now, that uh, that he and Tulu Griffin both, even though they, they when Levy was hired, were saying, oh, we're going to run it back. It seemed highly unlikely that both of them, and really unlikely that maybe either one of them, would be in Starkville next season. Uh, I was told by a couple of sources that stated and made a very sizable NIL offer to Xavion, but he's a Louisiana kid and he thinks he can he can get us offer from LSU, so he's gonna he's gonna try to go home. Hmm. And as we were going through November and the final month of the season and we're kind of looking ahead, hey Dad, we talked very openly about, you know, those are those are the two guys that you probably want to invest in to try to keep, and you mm-hmm. get the announcement from Tulu that he's going to test the NFL waters, and now from Xavion that he. So, I mean, this really is a. It's getting very close to a start from scratch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll have to go out and find some receivers for sure. I mean, they've they got a couple of guys they like. You know, Creed Whittemore is a guy I think they yeah. they like, and he's talented, but very inexperienced. Um, Justin Robinson back for another year. We'll see what he right. can do. But, yeah, I mean, th- there's some rebuild to this. There's, there's, there's no question about that. And, and the, the thing to remember is, even if State had been really good this year, a lot of this would be happening anyway. I mean, Buki Watson and Jet Johnson and Crumity and Pickering and, and Tron Preston, Will Rogers, I was saying Will Rogers back in the summer, was probably going to be done at Mississippi State. A lot of you these were adamant stuff, about that. Like every time you said it, I'd be like, "Hey, are you sure?" And yes, like, I'm sure this is it. I was sure. Now, the reason I was sure changed about midway through the season, but regardless. So, the, a lot of this would be happening anyway. There was going this. 
like I said it back in the in the in the summer. This was supposed to be the up year for Mississippi State. 2024 was going to be kind of a down year for Mississippi State because they lose so many guys. And so that was that was always going to be the case for Mississippi State. Um, losing Xavion, like I said, they 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 made what they feel is a a really good NIL offer to him, and he can either it, it really is with him. I think it's kind of a take it or leave it. It's it's you're in the portal. This is our offer. This is our best offer. We can't go any higher. Take it or leave it. I think he'll leave it. Yeah. And we get a message from somebody that says just because you go into the portal doesn't mean you're leaving. It's true. It happened last year with Xavion, but this time I would I would be very surprised if he's uh, back in Starkville. Do you think this is an LSU or bust thing, or do you think it's an open market deal for him? I'm sure it's an open market for him because I mean he's a good player. Teams are going to want him. So, but I think LSU is where he would like to end up. So, good news for Mississippi State is you never see him again. Don't play LSU the next two years. Yeah, true. We just got this message. Uh, have people been on? I've got to edit it a little bit. When are we going to get these guys? Have they been on campus? The portal literally opened yesterday. If you're expecting, and this goes to every fan, I mean, like, you know, Ole Miss is seeking linebacker help, right? They might actually get one here this weekend, but you're not done portal recruiting until after spring practice. Like, if you think Jeff Lebby's going to have his entire roster retooled over the next week, you are going to be very disappointed. But, but, to to some degree, Jeff Levy set those expectations for Mississippi State fans when his open in his opening press conference he said, we're going to have most of these guys on campus in January because it's extremely important for them to go to spring ball, and if they don't, they're going to be behind when they get here in the summer. Right. But it's December 5th. Yeah. It, ju- it opened yeah, yesterday. Time. Yeah, no, I understand. Yeah, plenty of time. But Borky was just making the point that you continue to recruit through spring practice the transfer portal. Yeah. And and up yeah. to the summer. Yeah. But to get them in time for when the spring semester starts in January, it's got six weeks. Yeah. No doubt. And a lot of these guys will go down to, I mean, if we're being honest, when's the, the drop ad date for class? That's the deadline yeah. for the spring semester. Getting into mid-January there. So... Got to be patient. When when does state start school back? I I don't think Ole Miss goes back to school until like April 1st, and then they're done for the year like April 15th or something like that. It's the longest break ever. I think state goes back to school a little sooner than Ole Miss does uh, at the end of the semester. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. If it's happening in Mississippi sports, you'll hear about it first right here. Sports Talk Mississippi. o'clock hour with you sports talk mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk tv great to be with you in the pearl river resort studios pearl river resort home of the sports book at the golden moon casino visit them in person or learn more online at pearlriverresort.com alongside brian haydad and michael borky i'm richard cross we'd love to hear from you on the ceasefire text line 601 879 Four three nine five. Introducing Connect and Protect from Seaspire. It's the phone your kids want with easy to use parental controls for you. It's just thirty dollars a month with auto pay 
Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. It's time right now for the college football fix. I know, I know. No, keep it. I know. Keep it. Keep it. We used to have other music. What happened? College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Holiday sales event going on now, which means great savings on the car, truck, or SUV that is most interesting to you. The one that you want. Test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer today. So, let's talk some Peach Bowl. Kind of talked around the Peach Bowl yesterday. Um, If you are an Ole Miss fan... You got some good news as it pertains to your opponent, the Penn State Nittany Lions. The best player on the Penn State Nittany Lions shall not be participating in the bowl game. Chop Robinson, their edge rusher who is a dude, is um, he is declared for the NFL draft and will begin his preparations immediately. This feels like it feels like a wise decision for the young man. Lane Kiffin agrees, as he tweeted. <laughs> Look at hey dad. Hey dad, did you see Lane Kiffin's tweet? Yes, <laughs> it's beautiful. Congratulations on a great career. Nothing, whatever it was, he said. I don't remember it specifically, but who? Um, the the numbers. For uh, for Robinson this year, were really really good. Missed some time too with an injury, right? Yeah, let's see. Uh, like his total tackle numbers didn't just blow you away. He had fifteen. But he had four sacks. Yeah, he's been hurt. And yeah. He's special, though. I mean, watch his tape. It's, it's shocking how fast he is. And they move him around, too. He'll he'll come off the edge. He'll, he'll come from inside. He will do it all. I mean, he is a, a special pass rusher. They're really good across the board up front, though. Even without him, Ole Miss is going to have their hands full. I mean, this is a very good Penn State defensive front uh, that Ole Miss is going to have to really, I mean, scheme against and prepare for because they're good. Also, possibly... Uh, their left tackle getting first round grades. You know, when guys get those, they tend to not play. Also, I think a defensive back as well could be a first rounder. Uh, so, you know, keep an eye out for those as well. But without Chop, they're not as good, but they're still really good up front. Yeah. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. So that's um, that, that's good news. This this Penn State team, they went ten and two this year. And we know, right, they had the the two losses that stand out because that's what everybody was looking to. They were undefeated 6-0 going into their game with Ohio State, and they lost it 20-12. And three weeks later, they played Michigan, and they lost 24-15. And in that game against Michigan in particular, I'm not sure the final score is really indicative of how that game went. Penn State was pummeled yeah. by Michigan. Yeah. Drew Aller threw for 70 yards. The game was non-competitive. Michigan ran the football for the final 32 offensive plays that they had of the game. 
simply because they could. Yep. Like, you can't score, and you can't keep us from four yards a carry. So the clock is our friend, and we will do what we want to do. And that's what they did. They started the year with a win over West Virginia, which turned out to be a good win. They beat Delaware. They won at Illinois. Maybe the, not maybe, the most impressive victory of the year for Penn State is Iowa. Yes. They beat Iowa 31 to nothing. So holding Iowa's offense scoreless, eh, whatever. Congratulations. Right. It's the other side of the 31 on that Iowa defense. That's doing something. And as we, we talked about on the show, Phil Parker was indeed named the Broyles Award winner today. Never a more deserving winner than that man. Uh, in related news, it's actually being renamed. <laughs> it's Phil no longer Parker. the Frank Broyles Award. It is now the Phil Parker Award. As it forward. should be. Uh, they beat Northwestern handily. That it, turned out to be a good Northwestern team. In fairness to Iowa... Penn State had two touchdown drives in the game of 19 yards and 39 yards. And then their, okay. they had a field goal drive of 17 plays, 53 yards, did Penn State. Gross. They're not efficient offensively. They're just not. No. And it's crazy. Like, Drew Aller was supposed to be like this five-star... You know, he was the he was the missing link for this offense to be explosive, and and I don't know if it's him or if the coaches just don't trust in him, but he's not he's not explosive at all. Iowa it fumbled did. the football four times, no, they fumbled six times and lost four of them in that game. Hey, Dad, would you care to uh, fancy a guess as to how many times this year Drew Aller threw for over three hundred yards? I'd be surprised if it was any, but I'll say one. It was once. Okay. In the season opener, he went for 325 against West Virginia. After that, here were his passing totals. 204, 208, 166, 189, 162, 191, 210, 240, 70, 79, ooh, 292. It's close. Would you care to fancy a guess as to how many times the leading rusher for Penn State went for over 100 yards? Three. Two. Huh? Catron Allen had two games this year where he went for over 100 yards. He did it in week two against Delaware where he notched 103, and then he did it against Michigan State uh, in the regular season finale where he went for 137. They had a receiver with 100 or more yards this season, one time. Yeah, I, I mean, fired their OC for a reason, and looks like Franklin's struggling to find his replacement right now. Um, or was, at least earlier. Not explosive. Not particularly athletic. Uh, play calling appears from my lack of expert position to be very uncreative and boring. It is a very Big Ten offense, stuck in the year 2005. And and Alar, God bless him, just if you get pressure on him at all, he folds, man, like a cheap tent. Like I said yesterday, man, Ole Miss is an underdog. I would take those points and go straight to the bank. Wouldn't be surprised if it's a really low-scoring game. I mean, Penn State doesn't <sighs> really score on, uh, yeah. on anybody. 
But like you said, I, I feel like there's going to be some turnover opportunities for Ole Miss yeah. in this game. Because like you just said, Alar, you put pressure on that kid, and he will give you the ball. And Ole Miss is a defense that's good at getting the ball. Penn State with the number three scoring defense in the country. It's very good. They're good. They're very good. 11 point. In fact, the top four scoring defenses all come from the Big 12. I, I'm sorry. From No, they don't. All come from the Big Ten. They all got to play Iowa. They all got to play Iowa. That's aided by, I mean, have you? Did the whole you? Big Ten West is offensively challenged. Did you watch Minnesota try to play offense this year? Clock Manis, the quarterback? Jeez. Michigan gave up nine and a half or nine point four six. Ohio State eleven. Penn State eleven point four two. Iowa thirteen point two three points per game. Now do talk, now do scoring offense and tell me how many Big Ten schools are at the top. Uh let's see here. Let me scroll to scoring offense. Uh, scoring offense. There it is. Please refer. Are we surprised that the NCAA's page is not very good? There it is. Um, let's see here. How far do we have to scroll down to find a Big Ten team? Eh, Penn State, 12th nationally, 37.2 points per game. They must, they must have loaded up in the non-conference. Um, yes, perhaps you would uh, be interested to know that they had 67 against Delaware and 63 against UMass. That'll do it. That will do it. So... They had the uh, the number one scoring offense and the number three scoring defense in the uh, in the Big Ten. All right, so can Ole Miss score on Penn State? Yeah, like that's the question, isn't it? Yeah, they can. Who plays up front for Ole Miss? Who plays? Uh, I have to get back to you on that. Jaden Williams will. Micah Pettis won't. We'll be back. Everybody else will play. Talk Mississippi. Your all-access pass to all things sports in Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Michael Borky and Brian Haydad highly anticipating the beginning of the Supertalk Mississippi Christmas party. That you're not invited to. Is there like a dirty Santa or anything? If there is, it's going to be really sad for the person who gets my gift because... I didn't bring one. Same here. We can be each other's gift. Yeah. I what did Tyrion Lannister say? I am the gift. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. I will come to your house and make lasagna for you. So we actually got a uh, a text from Russ. And I don't know how accurate this list is. I'm just kind of taking it at, at face value. I I think some of it's pretty accurate. He, uh, he sends us a, I guess, a screenshot of something. 
currently 117 SEC players in the transfer portal by school. Here they are. Alabama, zero. That will change. That will change. change. Arkansas, 11. Auburn, six. Florida, eight. Georgia, six. Kentucky, 10. LSU, three. Mississippi State, nine. Missouri, seven. Oklahoma, 10. Ole Miss, five. South Carolina, 14. Tennessee, five. Texas, two. That will change. Texas A&M, five. That has already changed. Vanderbilt, 16. <laughs> it just changed. It just changed. Two defensive linemen hit the portal. The the uh, the Overton brothers. Yeah. Are they going to have any defensive linemen left? Probably not. Probably Wal- not. Walter Nolan yesterday entered the portal as well, right? That might be the most. That might be the number one guy in the portal. Ooh, the money. Ooh, the money. Yeah. It, some of these portal numbers are inflated. Now, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of actual players in the portal too. Like too many, honestly. But every walk-on that wants to try to go get a spot somewhere puts his name in the portal. We had this discussion about why I unfollowed the on three transfer portal. Like, yeah. like, who are these people? They're they're putting walk-ons and stuff in the in there, and it's just, you know, it's too much. Like, I appreciate you want your moment. You certainly, you know, you've practiced hard, you worked hard, you deserve something. But who cares? Yeah. Hey, Dad, how would you feel about Ed Ogeron as a defensive coordinator? Not as the coordinator, but if I can get Ed Ogeron as my defensive line coach... I don't think you're getting that. But I can't, because I already got David Turner. Defensive coordinator, nah. Nah. It'd be funny, though. The, the, the entertainment value would be off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, South Carolina and Vanderbilt have got problems. Yeah. yeah. We talked about this because I, I, I went and found the old clip last night because I was proud of it. Vanderbilt needs to go all in on the triple option. We talked about this like three years ago, and it remains true today. You, They are completely and totally incapable of lining up with the rest of the SEC in winning games consistently. It's In it, this, there are... There's a lot of people complaining. Like, I saw a, a radio host in San Antonio talking about how unfair the portal era is to UTSA. It's like, dude, you, UTSA has never been competitive with Texas and A&M. Stop it. Like, that, that's a ridiculous narrative. But Vanderbilt's in the SEC. And it's, By the way, it's, Trey Moore's good. He's yeah. running the portal today. It's, it's been rendered impossible for them. They're, they're not, they don't have the fan base to go all in on NIL, and institutionally they're so far behind. How do you level the playing field? How it's do you deep. do it if you're Vanderbilt? Because you're not getting, you're not getting five stars. You're clearly not able to develop the guys that you do get to make yourself competitive. You don't have the fan base that cares enough to get players money. So how do you win? Scheme. Scheme. You run the triple option, and you become a a pain in the you know what every Saturday in the SEC. And you're never going to win ten games in the SEC running the triple option. You can get to six. Look at Georgia Tech's run when they were running the triple option. Look at their run. They won 10 games a couple times. Yes. They went to an access bowl. 
Oh, and somehow they recruited the best wide receiver of the last 20 years. I still have no idea how that happened. They, they went to they went to conference championships. They went to bowl games every year. They were competitive because they were so different. And preparing for that in five days is extremely difficult. So just do it. Oh, you can't recruit quarterbacks in that system. Like you recruit quarterbacks now? Yeah. Get over it. Get athletes. Get an athlete. That's running the triple option in high school. There's some right here in Mississippi. Just get a dude that can run, that can't throw, that wants to play quarterback, run the triple option, and just be a thorn in the side of the SEC. That's what you do if you're Vanderbilt. So what do you do if you're South Carolina? Hire better. (laughs) It's future Mississippi State head coach Shane Beamer to you there. Hey, Dad. Um, But put... put Put more money in, in the old collective, and but they've got a ton. It's just they they made a bad hire, and then that bad hire made a bad coordinator hire. I mean, it's a risk you run when you hire somebody that doesn't have a system of any kind, and he didn't. So you think this is it? I think it will be. Yes, for Shane Mm -hmm. Beamer, I do, and I like him a lot, a whole lot. But emotionally, he seems too. Up and down, like he's riding a roller coaster during the course of games. And that, I mean, as a team leader, which is what a coach is, that the, the the whining and crying and carrying on if your player makes one mistake on the field has got to have a negative effect on the psyche of your team. And he hadn't hired assistants and coordinators well. And now his best players don't want to play for him anymore. Yeah. And, I mean, if K.J. Jefferson hits the portal, is that your savior? Is that a guy that's going to come in with no weapons at South Carolina and save Shane Beamer's job? I have doubts. I mean, did you see how many times um, Spencer Rattler was sacked this year? I mean, I mean it'd be like offense 2.0 for K.J. Jefferson. If I'm K.J. Jefferson, that's the thing that I'm looking for more than anything else. Who's got an offensive line that can protect me? Because I've been hit enough the last two years. I just thought. Russ and Tupelo says the wing T would be awesome. Go unconventional. What do you have to lose? More football games? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think the wing T's it. Whatever. But I, I, if I were Vanderbilt, if I were Clark Lee, I'd go to the surface academies. That, that's where I'd look for to, to run my offense. Lee's a defensive guy. I'd go to the service academies, and that's what I'd do. It worked, man. You've got a, I know it's not the SEC, but you've got a Power 5 sample size for a long time where a lesser program elevated itself because they were hard to defend. Yeah. Man, remember when Army went to Norman and... Took Oklahoma to two overtimes? I do. Absolutely do. And that was a different Army team than we saw this year, but yeah. but, but nonetheless, it happened. I mean, Navy's been in a real conference for a long time, and they've been winning games in that real conference. Yeah. Quote-unquote real. You get my point. I get your point. Line's gone down on the Ole Miss-Penn State game. Half a point. It was four yesterday. It's three and a half. Hey, Dad, told you to get on it while you could. Better get that thing before it gets to a field goal. 
You just take the money line. You just don't care. It's just wrong team. Just favor. get the money. Yes, wrong team is favored. Get the money line. Uh, Ole Miss currently plus one fifty on the money line. There you go. Why, why do you think ESPN's matchup predictor gives Penn State a seventy-two percent chance to win the game? Their defensive front versus SEC Ole Miss's offensive front. They hate the SEC at ESPN. Oh, FSU and the ACC would argue to the contrary. Ah, uh, what do they know? I have There's a question. A lot of that Speaking of, of ESPN, days, when yep. we when we come back in a minute, I have a question for you. We're, we're, I want to talk about something. Uh, how much? Time, well, I guess maybe I can ask this question. But if uh, tease it, yeah. Well, I'll just ask the question, and we'll get Richard's answer when we come back. Richard, if I did a, an interview with somebody, and I was like. Well, Richard Cross is a character playing Richard Cross. He's just an old Miss homer. He just pulled the string on his back, and you know, an anti-Mississippi State stuff comes out of his mouth. How would you how would you feel about that? Well, we'll we'll get Richard's answer on that when we come back. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Tune in to tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning to hear Hey Dad's take about Richard being a puppet. <laughs> this is Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll back I, don't, I don't think he knows what you're talking about here, Hayden. I, I, I think even he better, missed that's it. even better. So we'll get his thoughts on it. Okay. Be, don't uh, look anything be... up. Don't go searching for stuff on Twitter. Yeah, I want to see I your genuine to... reaction to, to what was said and what Haydad's talking about. I, I do. I just was wondering if you were going to like get a live read out of the way, too, as you were taking this to break. It'd be perfect. We're wearing a cool, genteel though. shirt. More when we come back. This is Gentilapparel.com. This is a place for crazy people. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm let you keep dancing. I'm just going to watch for a minute. Super Talk TV. You want to see Hey Dad do the shimmy? You got it. Done. Ratings. Um, as Brian Hey Dad alluded to before the uh, break, mm-hmm. Genteel Apparel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Their website, genteelapparel.com. All you need to know if they can make Brian Hey Dad look good, <laughs> anybody can look good. I mean, this shirt, is. this shirt, is it fits great. It does. Huh? Are you going to be in a 2X before we know it? Still got some room down here, you know, so it's not it's not tight on my curves. Did, did you just try to, like, do the jiggle? Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, little truffle we're, shuffle. We're, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Um, 10% off with your email address, free shipping, $150 or more, great holiday gift ideas, collegiate collection, Great stuff. You're going to love it. All three of us will vouch for it. Genteel, genteelapparel.com. All right. So before we left, Richard, I want to let's pretend, let's, you know, I'm on with Cole and, and Greg one day, right? Okay. And then, what do you think of Richard Cross? And I say the following Richard Cross is a caricature of a caricature of Richard Cross. That's what he is right now. You can't take anything he says seriously, you just can't. It's like they march him out there, they pull the string in his back, and he just starts spewing negative things about Mississippi State. If that got back to you, how would you feel? 
If you had said that about me, yeah. um, I think we'd have to have a conversation. We would, absolutely, right? That's what Desmond Howard said today about Paul Feinbaum on the Rich Eisen show. Paul Feinbaum is a caricature of a caricature of Paul Feinbaum. That's what he is right now. You can't take anything he says seriously. You just can't. It's like they just march him out there, they pull the string at his back, and he just starts spewing negative things about Michigan. Desmond has... He has taken this Michigan thing so personal. It's very personal with him. So, So within the company... He has now very publicly taken a shot at Paul Feinbaum. He has very publicly taken a shot at Pete Thamel in front of three million people. Game day every single week. Mm -hmm. He has, you know, banged his fist and stomped his feet about how wrong Michigan is, Mm -hmm. and come off as like a. I'm sorry. I guess I'm speaking ill of a coworker at ESPN. Not that he's really my coworker. The, the Thamel thing, to me, is worse than that. Even. Yeah, this is rough. By the way, this is a guy you can't take him seriously. This is a guy. Last year, his preseason playoff bracket was Michigan, Texas A and M, Pittsburgh, and Baylor. But I'm not supposed to take other people seriously. I mean, for those of you that don't know what we're talking about with the Thamel thing, so before they had college game day at Ann Arbor. Pete Thamel received what they determined were specific enough threats from people that were talking about what they were going to do to him on the set at College Game Day because he does reporting and stuff from within the crowd. They deemed it credible enough to where he had to do all of his hits from inside of the stadium because they didn't think that they could keep him safe enough based on the very specific and detailed language that were said to Pete Thamel. And so after... His report from the stadium, Desmond Howard. Not a perfect. Sorry, I messed that up. Oh, it's okay. But but Desmond Howard uh, told him to put his big boy pants on. Here it is. Here, okay. Here it is. This is uh, this is outside Michigan Stadium game day, final weekend of the regular season. Desmond Howard. Oh, no. they muted you. Pete no. Thamel, we got, that's what we, you speak. No, I did <laughs> maybe. Uh, am I good? There we go. There we go. Yeah. What are we, week 13 now? Uh, yeah, I think week so. 13, I don't know. Something I don't like even that. know. So we've been doing this 12, 13 weeks. He's always been in the crowd giving his reports. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is Pete in the stadium for? I don't like, know. I, I, that kind of just threw me all off. Like, put your big boy pants on, do it in the crowd like you yeah. do it. Hey, hey, come I was, on, man. I was I surprised mean, by that. Yeah, no, I thought he would be out here. I thought he would be out here. Look, he's gotten from the He's gotten from the lunatic friends some friends yeah. we're just taking care of it. That's security. All. We'd be okay. Yeah. These guys are nice out here. These are nice fans. They're not going to do it. It only takes one. Yeah, That's yeah. All. No, no, we'd be okay. Big boy. As is usually the case, Reese Davis, the voice of reason, he's like, hey, hey, come on. Come on, man. And then he kind of soft-pedaled it with the yeah, lunatic friends. He's gotten some threats. We're, we're taking care of him. We got security. Who cares? Yeah. Yeah, if somebody threatens my life... A uh, security guard standing next to me in a gigantic crowd is not going to make me feel any safer. Yeah, no. Again, it's crazy, man. Desmond Howard is a caricature of himself as well. 
the the, the man doesn't give. I mean, he, he's a he plays a character. A lot of the, most of these guys, these these big money co- uh, sports guys, it's just like watching wrestling. I mean, I watched enough pro wrestling in my life to know when I'm beat when when I'm seeing a work. That's what's happening with a lot of these guys. So this might be a work as well, but that, that's just, in my opinion, that's what I, this is the first thing I thought of. This is really poor taste to go after somebody who you work with on a regular basis. I, so I, can't, I can't get behind that. And uh, Paul's a lot more closer to being right than Desmond is about Michigan, by the way. Correct. Yes, I'm... Yes. You and I would have, there would be a problem. But what's Paul Feinbaum going to do? Is he going to go to his bosses? Is he going to go to Desmond? I don't know. You don't have to worry about any of that, though. I would never do that. Yeah. I'll tell you to your face that you're a caricature of a caricature. And when you, you need to quit spewing the Ole Miss stuff. It does frustrate me, and I know it's like a small thing, where where the worldwide leader in sports has determined that Paul Feinbaum should be the thought leader of college football. It's like there are are brilliant people that cover college football and that that would give you, like, and they would give you some spice, too. Like, I know Andy Staples doesn't work for ESPN, but people like him would give you strong opinions it's not like he would be milk toast he would get, give you some heat it would you just could get be smart the number one sports media person in the country brandon walker as voted on today i saw yeah that's big game boomer though that guy's a dope i was just asked to do say it so. okay <laughs> are you talking about brandon walker or big game boomer which one's yes. the dope no oh. boomer I understand. I was just trying to decide which one was the dope. I can't stand Big Gay Boomer. That guy's the worst. He's got some lists, though. He yeah. will put out a Anybody list. Anybody can make a list, Richard. Top three guys on this show. Hey, Dad, Borky, Cross, in that order. Boom, I just made a list. I feel like there are lots of other things that should be said about your question, and I'm just going to not. Probably. probably. Yes. Probably. Yes. Okay. Yes. Is that okay? Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, you know. You have your own interests to look out for. And that's the smart thing, though. That's how it should be handled. You can't talk smack about your coworkers like that. I mean, that that's a personal thing. And if shot. you do, it better be fun and playful. Exactly. Not, it wasn't. That's and it not wasn't fun, or fun playful. and playful with Pete Thamel either. No. I was on with, with Cole and Greg. Uh, a couple weeks ago, right after I think Arnett got fired, and w- we made a couple jokes, and I said something about at my you know, expense. I think probably I did. Exactly. I'm, I'm being serious. Yeah, but but it, but it was a joke, and they knew it was a joke, and you knew it was a joke, and it's a joke. We're just we're just you know messing around. That's not a joke. That's a Michigan fan in his feelings that his school got caught cheating, and somebody else is calling him out for it. And he can't he can't handle it. You talk about putting your big boy pants on. Put your big boy pants on and say, "Yeah, we cheated. We got caught. These are the consequences." This uh, this is an interesting point. When Michigan gets beat by seventeen, Desmond might not have much to say. Seventeen? We're only talking about the first half. Ooh, they are gonna get smoked. I'm just I'm write it down. I'm saying it. So you think Alabama is rolling them? 
No pun intended. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, college game day is a joke anyway. All they do is get on there and cackle like a bunch of little girls. It's like when one of them says something, all of them laugh like it's the funniest thing they've ever heard. Look, there are a lot of people that don't like college game day. There are a lot of people that do like college game day. I mean, it's it's been on the air for 25 years, and 3 million people still watch it every Saturday morning. They're doing yeah. something right. We definitely don't laugh at each other's jokes. Sometimes somebody makes a bad joke, and I, it gets no sold. From me, from yeah. you, from Borky. Just, like, was that that was your joke? That, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there's a reason for it. It does feel like they do a show from a location, and like the location just happens to be where they are, as opposed to making it about the location yes. now. Yes, yes. It's far less detailed about where they are than it used to be. And I don't like that. It seems too corporate now. Maybe the man's keeping them down. I mean, you couldn't wait another 15 seconds to chug that when we went to commercial break? Thirsty. Jeez. I wish I had that in Starkville. I wish I had a little something about full that of Coke chair. Zeros out there that just gets refilled. It's time for more Sports Talk Mississippi. Finally. Finally. On Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. little success in the deer stand this afternoon and perhaps he was listening to sports talk mississippi while in Ooh. the deer stand very nice very very good very good uh let's see here i cannot stand paul f he's a mouthpiece for likes and dislikes i'm a longtime bama fan and cannot wait to hear you guys takes on monday morning keep it up love the outsider's perspective thanks Appreciate that message from the 205. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon, why don't you guys go national syndication? Sure, there is an audience for your homegrown truth. Because we would have to spend less time talking about just Ole Miss and Mississippi State. We, I, I think we would have to be spread. Well, and we also don't have Super Talk United States. We've only got Super Talk Mississippi for now. So... If it turns into Super Talk U.S., we may have to broaden our discussion. Sports Talk America. Yeah. It re- you would probably have to resign. Yes. Given your affinity for the Russians and the Soviets. Uh, well, the Soviets. Communism in general. He rooted uh, for England when uh, we played them in soccer in the World that Cup. Is Don't not, that. That's a right. true story. Not only, not only do you Lies. cheer for the commies, you cheer against the United States. America is my favorite country. It's a, There's not a close second. North America or South America, hey, Dad? The United States of. I was just waiting for you to be to go, for, for you to be like, those are continents, you moron. They are, they are continents, you moron. <laughs> oh, goodness. Very good, very good. Um, hoops tonight. You got basketball tonight at uh, the Sandy and John Black Pavilion. 
SJB Pavilion, the undefeated Ole Miss men's basketball team hosting Mount St. Mary's. Uh, During finals week. Yeah, well, I mean, you got to get them when you can. I did pull up the academic calendar earlier. The student section, by the way, think about this. If you watch that game tonight, which I know that's not a compelling matchup, but if you watch that game tonight, every student in the student section should be doing something better than what they are doing tonight. Every single one of them has academic work, uh, finals thing that they have to be doing or should be doing, and they are instead at a basketball game. All of them. And I love it. I always find myself surprised. Like uh, Some of the girls that work at Jane's store will be like, hey, what's your final schedule? like, I've got one on Tuesday. Like, that's it? Or, you know, I've got one on Monday and then I've got one on Thursday. Like, how many classes are you taking? Like, there's not a final in there. Well, we had a project. Good for you. So that one's on at 7 tonight. You want to watch it. Uh, It's, of course, streaming at SEC Network Plus. It's one of four men's basketball games tonight. Tennessee leading George Mason early. Merrimack is at Florida. Georgia Tech at Georgia. That's at Stegman Coliseum. I did that game a few years ago. It was kind of fun. Where's Merrimack? It's at the bottom of a, of a river, isn't it? Didn't the monitor sink it? It's in the northeast. It is in Massachusetts. North Geography Andover. One, Guess what? Oh, That's in the northeast. One right here. North Andover, Massachusetts. There you go. I believe it's Merrimack College and not Merrimack University. It is Merrimack College, and it was originally founded in 1947 by the Order of St. Augustine with the initial goal to educate World War II veterans. How big a check do you think Arkansas Pine Bluff is getting for playing at Gonzaga tonight? 200K. Do you know how far it is from Pine Bluff, Arkansas to Spokane, Washington? I was told uh, Southern got a, a cool eighty-five grand for coming up to beat Mississippi State on Sunday. I mean, it's not the one point eight five that New Mexico State got, but no. See, this is why we need, by the way, to, the, the schools to be allowed to pay the players because Southern should have divided that eighty-five thousand dollars amongst the team. No. Yes, they should have given half of it to Terion Joseph, who had twenty-seven of their sixty points and the game-winning block. You're saying he deserved a larger share. He deserved the lion's share of the money. Hey, that, that's how it works share. in real life. I mean, you, you've got your star player. He makes more than your sixth man. Mm-hmm. How about this? My son missed the Memphis game to study for finals. Brutal week unless you're a business major. <laughs> oh, jur- journalism is more of a joke. Sorry, Ole Miss Journalism School. I know you gave yeah, me a degree. Why, but why, why finals week there was the business a, school? What, what did the business school do to you? It's like... Econ and managerial finance and whatever else goes into the... It's the only two class names I could come up with that I think fall under the business school umbrella. Macro and microeconomics? Yes. Yes. Uh, Our time has come to an end and not a second too soon. (laughs) We, We are done for the day. We will be with you again tomorrow. Gentlemen, be safe. Enjoy your... Uh, holiday time. We party might call tonight. you later. Christmas party. Be sure to spread lots of cheer. Send my regards. Merry Christmas to all, and to all a good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.